Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Want extra cash for vacation or to buy something you've always wanted? Transfer your auto loan to Pathways Financial Credit Union and we'll give you 1% cash back up to $1,000. And you can enjoy no payments for three months. Visit a convenient Central Ohio location and let us take care of your auto loan and provide extra cash. Check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit subject to credit approval. Loan interest will continue to accrue during the first three months of no payments. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome, everyone. Episode 250 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and now that the dust is starting to settle on perhaps the wildest offseason in NBA history, we've taken some time to breathe, and now we're going to start digesting what all of these moves mean. So today, we're going to dive deep into the New Look Western Conference and figure out where all of these teams rank in the new hierarchy. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It would really help us out. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. And congratulations are in order, Mort. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I became a father for the second time a couple of days ago. Yes. How, yes. how, how, how is uh, the two hours of sleep treating you? It's, you know what? It doesn't even matter because he's gorgeous <laughs> and fantastic. He has 10 toes and 10 fingers and everything is perfect. And yeah, it was, it was a very dramatic birth as I've told you off the, <laughs> off yes. the podcast. So uh, we're just getting settled back down. And uh, yeah, I, I told my wife that we had our 250th episode coming up and she was like yeah don't worry i'll handle him 250 is big like go get it which you know just confirms my theory that my wife's a superhero so right yeah so 250 brian that's that's pretty insane and honestly i only have two words to say about that what up beck (laughs) what up fellas so yes we we brought out the big guns for episode 250 we have howard beck Senior NBA writer at Bleacher Report, host of the Full 48 podcast. Howard, thank you for joining us. I hope that all of our listeners already follow you, follow you on Twitter and know where to find your work. But for the few misguided souls who don't, please let them know how they can find you. Uh, pretty simple, at Howard Beck. Uh, standard spelling of Howard, standard spelling of Beck, uh, standard at sign at the beginning of that. So there you go. <laughs> No underscores, no weird punctuations, spaces, uh, umlauts, anything like that. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. So, yeah, if you aren't following Howard, you should be. He's one of the best NBA writers out there. Uh, and you can find his work on Bleacher Report. The Full 48 podcast has a lot of great guests. You should be listening to that as well. Subscribe. All that good stuff. So, today, guys, I mean, look, the Western Conference is hardly recognizable from what it was a month ago. Um you know, the, a lot of the top teams made gigantic seismic changes. So I want to take the time today to really try to figure out who should be 
kind of favored in the West going into the season? Who's a playoff contender? You know, doing my preliminary ranks last night, I realized there are a number of good teams that are just by definition going to miss the playoffs because there are only eight spots. And to my eyes, there's at least 10 or 11 teams you could talk yourself into being a playoff contender. So, Howard, going into the season, which team in the West do you think is the best or has the best chance of making it to the finals? Yeah, it's it's funny because um, with so much movement and, you know, it, it's, it's almost been week to week that you could change your mind on this. And where I am right now is, is with the Clippers. Um, and I don't think that should be a, a surprising or controversial take. Um, they've got, I think, potentially the best one-two punch. Now, I always, I'm going to say potentially, and I'm going to caveat things because we never know until we actually see guys get together, start playing. But there are certain you know, tandems or when we've had trios in the past, some make more sense than others right off the top. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard should be absolutely seamless, interchangeable, dynamic. There's so much they both can do with the ball in their hands, off the ball, defensively. I just think they're going to be fantastic. And you're plugging them into a a foundation that was already very strong without them, where you've got Lou Williams and you've got Montrez Harrell and you've got, you know, this this holdover cast that overachieved and won 48 games. And I just think they're going to be incredibly solid. And I just, the, the defensively, the idea of Beverly, George, Leonard as the one, two, three um, is just killer. And so to me, they stand out. And, and that's even over the Lakers with AD and LeBron. Um, we'll, we'll get into why I, I, I have that distinction. And then the next tier, I feel like, is, is Denver and Utah, who, you know, look, Denver, who has been, you know, was, was really strong last season, but, you know, couldn't quite break through, but they're young and, and, and still evolving, and they're really deep. Um, Utah adding Mike Conley, and that was one of those teams where for a minute before all the rest of this stuff happened, <laughs> you thought, oh, hey, Jazz, you know, maybe, maybe you know, dark horse sleeper to come out of the West. Uh, and, and then they're, you know, they just got obliterated, I feel like, by the rest of this. And it's not to say that they're, they're like far and away worse or anything. It's just um, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, really nice, but it's, it's really hard to compete with, you know, AD LeBron or Paul George Kawhi. Right. Yeah, I mean, there were. I wrote a column, I think, right when that Conley trade went down, where I was like, "Oh, they they actually could be kind of frisky in the West." And then they added Bojan Bogdanovic, which was also great. And Davis was a nice pickup. Jeff Green, Emmanuel Mudiay, all good stuff. But as you said, you know, it's not the Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Like there are a lot of moves now that kind of just fell onto the radar because they weren't top ten players going to a team. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you in terms of that order. Clippers, Nuggets, Utah, one, two, three. Mort, how about you? How do you see that top of the West shaking out? Oh, the Clippers for sure as well. I mean, also with the caveat, of course, because we don't know. Um, but but on paper, that's just a ridiculous lineup. Everyone is talking about Kawhi and, and Paul George and are kind of forgetting that Lou Williams is still on the roster, that Montrezl Harrell is still, still on the roster, that Pat Bev's re-signed. Um, Jermichael Green is there. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, and, and I'm forgetting a wing right now. More Harkless. More Harkless as well. So, I mean, defensively, this should be one of the premier teams in the league. Uh, and in regards to Utah, I, I kind of look at them in the same light as I looked at the 2010-2011 Bulls. They were in, in you know, cahoots for LeBron and Holt, uh, or Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and all of that. They didn't get them. And then they just rounded out their team with, like, high-quality role players. 
and they won, I think, 62 games that year. Now, they got obliterated in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is one thing, but they, they built a team. They built a structure that was withstanding, that was of high quality, that had depth. That's how I look at Utah right now. They have a team, capital T, and I love that. So, I mean, they might not have all the star power, but I think they can have such a cohesive unit moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's also, we should delineate between who has the best chance of making the finals and who will have the best regular season record. Because if, yes. I, had, if I had to pick best regular season record, I think I'd go with the Nuggets at this point. Yeah, certainly feasible. I, I mean, just the continuity factor plus adding Jeremy Grant, who again is one of those guys who's going to fall under the radar just because he's not Kawhi, but he's a perfect fit for that roster. And, it's, you know, we are already talking about a 54-win team. It was one game within the Western Conference Finals. Their core is just so young that you can realistically expect or at least hope for improvement from a Nikola Jokic, from a Jamal Murray, from a Gary Harris who is pretty injury riddled last season wasn't quite up to his usual form if if he comes back to what he was in 2017-18 i mean the nuggets could easily be a 56 57 58 win team in my opinion will barton could start looking like an nba player again (laughs) (laughs) that would help too that's also there i mean he no i mean he's a good player he just had a really sucky season and I, i think he would be the first to acknowledge that as well so him coming back and playing better is also huge so, Howard, I actually have a question for you because, you know, you were at Summer League. Uh, th- there was a lot of anticipation about uh, Michael Porter Jr. and, and then him not playing. How do you, what did you hear about, you know, him and his role moving forward with, with Denver, if anything? Um, I was at Summer League, but I was, like, not at Summer League. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, was, I was in Las Vegas. Uh, I was occasionally even in the arena, but I was very rarely uh, actually you know, watching games or in in uh, in in vicinity of the basketball parts of summer league, um, so I I don't know I don't have any insight on Michael Porter Jr. Um, and and what expectations are I think that reasonably speaking we should expect that you know there's going to be a desire and even a pressure to start figuring out what he is and what he can do for them, presuming health by training camp, which I, I think we should presume. Um, and, I mean, this is one of the great curiosities, right? Here was a guy who was one of the most talented players of the 2018 draft class and, and slipped only because of, of the health concerns. They were the ones who decided to take the chance on him. And, you know, maybe we'll find out soon what the uh, the payoff there is. This is a very established rotation. You know, we already you know were raving about this Nuggets team this past season as being one of the deeper teams in the NBA and, and you know, second best regular season record in, in the conference and all that stuff. So, you know, chemistry, chemistry matters. Um, And and where does Michael Porter Jr. fit in there? You know, it's one thing to pick up a Jeremy Grant who's just going to slide into a role and will fit seamlessly and doesn't need the ball and all that. Michael Porter Jr. is a different character. uh, And he's going to need and and want uh, to have more of, of a role than just sliding in as, as a as a complimentary player, I suspect. I suspect. Now, I don't want to make too big of assumptions, but you know, the the general impression I got of him coming out last year was, uh, guy's got a pretty healthy ego and and yeah. a, and, a, and and an expectation, and I and I don't think the Nuggets took him with any illusions about that. So, how does you know? 
how does he adjust to the expectations as a guy who missed his entire rookie year, who's coming in second year to a very well-established team? You know, lottery picks with a ton of upside generally get a lot of latitude because they're usually joining crappy teams. He's not. And so it, it's going to be it's going to be different. And that's not to, to throw cold water and say it's, he's not going to be a plus. I mean, he could be an incredible plus. But there's a lot that both sides in terms of the coaching staff and the player have to figure out. Um, but when we talk about what the next ju- leap is for the Nuggets, I mean, it, it's, it's everything you just mentioned, Mort, about, you know, Gary Harris and Will Barton with bounce back seasons. Jamal Murray, we all expect should take another leap. That doesn't always happen, but reasonable to think that he, he should make that next jump. Uh-huh. And, and, and my God, Michael Porter Jr., a guy who, you know, has all the talent in the world of a top lottery pick who is just kind of sitting there laying in the weeds ready to, you know, to, to spring on everybody. So um, the potential for the, for the Nuggets to make another leap is great, and I agree. We do need to make that delineation between, you know, when we're ranking all these teams, what are we talking about in terms of regular season expectations and record versus who could actually come out of the West? Because I agree. The Nuggets and maybe even the Jazz might be better bets for better regular season records, but I think the Lakers and Clippers are the better bets to be in the conference finals, depending on how the standings, you know, the, the brackets work out, uh, or to make the finals. And that's because when it comes right down to it in the playoffs, the team with the best stars usually wins. Yeah. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. And I'm glad you brought up the Lakers because I'm sure there are aggrieved Lakers fans out there right now. Always. Who, who are <laughs> mad that we've talked about three Western Conference teams and had the gumption not to mention the Lakers. So do you have them next on your list, Howard? Um, so the way I've done this, and I... You know, again, this is the da- the danger here is is what are we talking about? Regular season versus playoffs. Forget yeah. forget records. Just power ranking style. I, yeah. I've, I've got multiple tiers in the West. My top tier is the Lakers and Clippers for okay. obvious reasons. Mm. The second tier is led by Denver and Utah, and then Houston and Portland are in there. But I've kind of got like parentheses around them or something. Um, and and the reason there is because I don't know what to make of Harden and Westbrook. I'm I'm not entirely convinced that Harden Westbrook is going to be uh, significantly better than Harden Chris Paul was. Um, that's the general vibe I got from people around the league at the time the trade happened, and that's what I wrote, uh, you know, last week coming out of that that deal and coming out of Vegas. Um, and then Portland, I don't know what the Hassan Whiteside, you know, effect is there. When does Nurkic come back? When he does, is he himself? How do they then balance Nurkic and Whiteside? 
Um, they lost Aminu. Uh, they moved on from Harkless. They've got some other new pieces. I, I just, I'm not like we should stop writing off Portland and, and sleeping on them the way we have the last couple of years. So they deserve to be mentioned in that next tier, just as the Rockets do. But I'm not as as comfortable with those two because they both have more variables than say Denver and Utah, who are returning largely intact. Or in the case of the Jazz, made a major addition, but one who in Mike Conley should be absolutely seamless and be nothing but a, a plus for them. So there's your top five. Lakers, Clippers, and then Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, Blazers in some order. My third tier, this is where it gets dicey. We'll get into this mm-hmm. later, I'm sure. But the third tier is is Spurs, Thunder, as long as Chris Paul's still there, and the Warriors. Um, and, and now we're getting toward, you know, last playoff spots and teams that might fall out of the playoffs, and this is where it all gets dicey. And then uh, knocking on the door there and, and deserving to be discussed at least um, are the Pelicans and Kings. And then I've got four teams that I'm just writing off from the beginning. The, the, the Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Suns, and Mavericks are just out. I'm not even thinking about them. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about them. Like, I'm, I can't wait to watch Luka and, and Porzingis. Uh, and, you know, the, the Grizzlies have a really fascinating young core. And, like, those teams should be interesting fun but i'm writing them off as as playoff contenders for sure yeah i I think that's fair i those are the four teams that i also kind of just mentally disqualified and i mean again even still we're talking about 11 teams that realistically you know we've heard the whole like teams should be seated one to 16 forget conferences in the playoffs that drum beat is going to grow progressively louder this season because there are really 10 or 11 teams in the west 11 if okc doesn't explode at the trade deadline all of those teams if they were in the east probably are better than the eight seed whoever that may be so it, yeah it, i think this is why this exercise is fun trying to sort out <laughs> which of these teams are actually going to survive this bloodbath that you know you mentioned six teams that were ahead at least tier wise of the five-time reigning champion of the west the golden state warriors so more let's go back to the lakers for a second just because Dan Favela of Bleacher Report, to be a total company man right now, just put out a piece today on whether the Lakers had surrounded LeBron Anthony Davis with enough shooting. And his argument is basically it's not perfect, but they definitely learned lessons from last season where they, they signed LeBron James and they're like, you know what? We watched how good teams have been built around him. Let's not do that. Yep. Let's just sign a bunch of ball handlers who can't shoot instead. So... They did learn from that mistake, you know, brought KCP back, added Danny Green, got Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels. Where do you stand on the Lakers heading into the season? No, I, I mean, I'm pretty high on them, obviously. I, we haven't talked about the Lakers in, in good light on this podcast for a while, but, but that was mostly because of all the drama all the time and, you know, Rob Palinka doing the whole, you know, the Joker lie and with Heath Ledger, <laughs> everything was just in shambles. But... Like when it comes down to it, in terms of the roster, I, I kind of like it. You Quinn Cook, I think, is going to have a huge year. Troy Danielson is, is an established shooter. Danny Green, you know, he, he can be hot and cold. I feel his defense is way more consistent than his shooting is. But given that he's going to have two guys now who can just take so much attention, I think he'll be even more open now compared to other teams that he's been on. So maybe he'll be one of the most consistent offensive players this year. Who knows? Overall, I like what they've done. I think they can, it can take them far. What I wonder is the whole, you know, I, I don't know if this is just a PR spin. I, it probably is the whole LeBron at point guard. 
I, mm-hmm. I obviously he should be handling the ball a lot. He should be setting guys up. He's the greatest passer in the league, arguably. Um, but but I wonder defensively, how are they going to use him? Or are, are they going to use him on forwards? What are they going to do? Like, what's that starting lineup going to look like? Right. Um, because I I'm not high on LeBron as a defender anymore. I think he stopped defending like five years ago. Which at just, least in the regular season. At least in the regular season, but you still need wins in the regular season to move on, and you still need to, you know, get get some kind of rhythm down. I just don't want the Lakers to basically pin all their defensive hope on Anthony Davis. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And you also with the Clippers and Lakers, which I think goes back to you know regular season ceiling versus playoff ceiling. One can only assume load management is going to be all the rage in LA this year. I mean, Kawhi is all but certain to follow the same plan he did last year with the Raptors, just given how well that worked. Yeah, LeBron is coming off the biggest injury of his career. He's, you know, he's not getting any younger. He's going to turn 35 in December. I would assume he's not going to play all 82 games. Anthony Davis just has a history of minor bumps and bruises. Hopefully he avoids anything serious, but yeah, he's probably going to miss 10 or so games as well. So Cousins too. You can throw Cousins into that. Yeah. Right. So... They do have a lot of talent. I'm, I I think they are just as good of a bet to make the Western Conference Finals as Clippers, Denver, Utah. But, yeah, I think regular season their ceiling is probably a little bit lower just for those reasons. But for whatever it's worth, 538 has their new Carmelo NBA predictions, and they have the Lakers with the second-best odds to come out of the West. So they are also high on them. I was surprised by them, actually, because they have the Clippers fourth in the West and they had the Rockets first, which Howard, I'm with you. I'm, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that the whole Westbrook-Harden pairing will work, but I have some skepticism there. I just don't really see the fit in the half-court offense working as well as they hope it will. And defensively is honestly my bigger question because Russell Westbrook hasn't really exerted all that much effort on that end. He goes. And gambles for steals all the time, but he's very prone to falling asleep off ball. And Lord knows Harden is not an elite defender on that end either. So I, I'm with you in thinking, yeah, sure, they could be in that tier with Denver and Utah, but they also, you know, they were 11 and 14 at one point last year. We we have to remember this at a certain point. We were starting to wonder, like, oh my God, are the Rockets going to miss the playoffs entirely? Yeah, that was weird. Um, but, you know, look, what we will remember last season is more about the last three, four months than the first couple of months. And whatever went awry early on with some of the changes they made and just uh, weird vibes, weird chemistry, whatever, it, it, like they got it behind them. They were one of the best teams in the NBA for the last couple of months of the season um, and were strong going into the playoffs. So we should give them, you know, the credit for that part of it. And note that their defense was actually pretty solid overall um, when it mattered, you know, down the stretch to save their season. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm oddly less concerned about the Rockets' defense than their offense in a way, um, because it's just a matter of, of fit. I, I just Westbrook, not a shooter. In, in fact, one of the worst volume shooters we've ever seen, and maybe he won't be volume anymore. Maybe. Um, it's easy to say, well, he'll be more effective now that he doesn't have to do so much. Okay. 
that's 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 sound. If he if if less Russ shooting means more quality Russ shots because he's playing against the the best offensive weapon in the game in Harden, that's that's sound logic. But we have to see that actually happen first. We have to believe that Westbrook is capable of reeling himself in that far. And yes, he accommodated Paul George and reeled himself in a bit this past season. But that's only because the bar was so high. I mean, when you've set the all-time usage rate at up over 40, 41, and you just come back to the low 30s, like, okay, I guess you made some sort of concession, but you're still one of the highest usage guys in the league. And he and Harden are the top two uh, usage guys over the last three years. So you can't tell me there's not an adjustment that's going to have to be made and that it's not going to be somewhat difficult. And yes, they can also break them up, but uh, they're going to start games together. They're going to finish games together. Harden's going to play, you know, 33, 34 minutes probably, which means there's only about 14, 15 minutes available for Westbrook to be out there by himself most nights. So they, the, the key thing is how they fit together. And Mike D'Antoni is a much better offensive mind than I am. So I'm going to uh, you know, give you know, Mike the benefit of the doubt that he, he will figure out how to use these guys. But as he said on, uh, on Woj's podcast recently, it's up to them. It, it's up to Harden and Westbrook. Like, and it always is. It's up to the stars to decide how they fit together. You can create the greatest offense in the history of mankind. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it, the stars have to figure it out. And these are two high-volume, um, high-usage, ball-handling players. It's not the same as putting together Kawhi and Paul George. It's not the same as putting together LeBron and Anthony Davis. This is a trickier fit. And if that doesn't work, then everything else is going to be irrelevant. Uh, the role guys, irrelevant. Defense, defense, irrelevant. Like, it's all about does, do Westbrook and Harden figure out that partnership first. Everything else flows from there. And if that's messed up, everything uh, everything else just falls by the wayside. Yeah. And, and, you know, they'll say all the right things in the offseason, of course. They'll go back and point at their shared history when they're teammates in OKC in the early 2010s. But... When the going gets tough, I think, is when we really start to see whether cracks start to show. I mean, it, it sounds like, based on the reporting that came out of Houston after this season, there was a lot more behind-the-scenes tension with Chris Paul and Harden than we otherwise knew a few months ago. And so does that does history repeat itself with Russ and Harden? Do they get mad at each other because they're not sharing the ball as much or because Harden goes back into the same dribble for 20 seconds as ISO and take a step back three. Does Russ get mad about that? Does Harden get mad if Russ pulls up in transition with 17 seconds left on the shot clock when, you know, you could very easily create a much better shot later in that possession? I think a lot... The, the Houston, to me, feels like the team I just have the least idea about out of all of these top teams in the West where... I can easily see their ceiling, but their floor really scares me a lot more than the Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Utah. And and just to add to your uncertainty about Houston, Brian, I mean, Clint Capella was involved in trade rumors for, what, three weeks? We have no yeah. idea how he responds to that as well. So that's an unknown that's also going to be carried into the regular season. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and Eric Gordon, you can throw into that too. I mean, at one point, the, the reporting was that the Rockets were throwing everybody out there. Like, everybody was on the table yeah. except for Harden. And maybe even Harden, you know. I mean, it was, it's, I, I don't, you know, by the time training camp opens, does anybody care? I don't know. I mean, 
I think um, you know the Rockets have a history, certainly, of being more than willing to swap, keep swapping out parts, and to put everybody on the table and to, to explore everything. So you're going to believe it if you're one of their players. You're going to know that this is a team that that you know has never had a, had had an issue um, or any hesitation in in making those kinds of changes. And listen, I thought the Chris Paul James Harden thing. I know people had some of the same themes uh, a couple years ago when they first got Chris. Oh, how are they going to fit? I never had those concerns. I was one who actually was bullish on that from the beginning and thought. Well, this, there's no reason this can't work because both guys can play off the ball. Yes, both are used to having the ball, but they don't need the ball. They can both be effective without it as spot-up guys. And, you know, this, like to me, the, the logic of that pairing was, was more evident. And this one, definitely less so. Now, that, one, that, that relationship went haywire. Um, and by the way, that's that's Harden's second star partnership that went haywire. Like we we blame Dwight Howard for everything that, that goes on with Dwight Howard, as we probably <laughs> should, because he he just you know wreaks havoc everywhere he goes. So James Harden came out of that one unscathed. But this is this, he is now on his third superstar partnership uh, with Westbrook, and I don't think that anything that they did together in Oklahoma has any relevance whatsoever other than it means they have a little bit of shared history it was seven years ago it's a long time Mm. seven years ago neither of them were was an mvp seven years ago james harden was a sixth man yes he did spend some time on the court with durant and westbrook together all three of them but he was a sixth man you you evolve over the course of your career and as you evolve and as you become a you go from a good player to a great player to an mvp you you then naturally have uh, different expectations for yourself, and you know James Harden is is not going to be the sixth man of the Rockets. He's their leader. So what he the role he played uh, with respect to to the role Westbrook played in in Oklahoma in 2012 is almost entirely irrelevant to how they're going to uh, function together in Houston. Their friendship may even be irrelevant because Harden and Chris Paul were supposed to be good, really good friends and made a bunch of really annoying commercials together. So um, and it, it's the best thing about this thing being broken up is that I hope that that whole campaign just goes away. <laughs> It'll certainly be more awkward, if nothing else. Mort, let's hit on Portland quickly, since that was the last team mentioned in this second tier. And I know you might have been the only one out there the last few years who wasn't underrating Portland. I very much did every season, and this season I hope to snap that trend, but we'll see. There's still two months before I have to make any picks. Um, Like pretty much every season, the backcourt's set with Dame and CJ. The frontcourt is more or less set, we'll see, with Whiteside. Hopefully, you know, Dame can snap him out of his moodiness and as Howard mentioned, we don't know when Nurkic is coming back or what form he will be in when he does come back, but they also still have Zach Collins, they sign Anthony Tolliver, they still have Scala Bissieri. As always, the question with Portland is the wing depth. They have they did re-sign Rodney Hood, they traded for Kent Bazemore, they added Hazonia, they still have some young guys, Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, but you know, I, I think if you're looking at what's holding Portland back here, especially considering, oh, if we're going through teams in LA, we're going to face elite, elite wings. That's probably the question they have to answer this season, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm high on Portland, but fully recognize that they don't have the the star player available at the three slot who can you know, jump up to the four slot, which is basically the recipe for NBA success today if you have an elite NBA player. 
you know, guys who can swing from the wing to the interior spot. They don't have that whatsoever, but they do have a nice collection of young assets. They seem to be focusing more so on the future as well. Not, not in the long term, but they want to have a young core contribute off the bench because there's some potential that can be squeezed out there. But right now, it's, it's they're just trying to kill teams with depth, I think. I don't think necessarily think it's going to work, but you can throw in Hisonia, you can throw in Rodney Hood, Nasir Little, Kent Basemore. You know, you have those guys, you can keep throwing guys in, but I wonder if they're just going to, uh, you know, be, be acceptable and then that's it. I don't think any one of them really have a higher ceiling right now. Nasir Little is obviously so young that you don't know what he is. I think they got to steal him at 25, though. I, I mean, he could develop into something real nice. I just don't see it this year, at least not yet. Uh, you know, this is again one of those situations where you have certain expectations on them going into the season, but at the end of the day, you ha- they have to show what they can do. And mm-hmm. the defense, I think, is is better. That's one thing. And if Ken Basemore can come in and just knock down three pointers, and now that you don't have to play Evan Turner to justify the the contract anymore because he can't shoot, now you can have maybe a little bit more spaced out offense. That could help Dame penetrate and CJ as well, who's so great, by the way, at just negotiating screens and maneuvering inside, outside, and pulling up from 15, just fading away a little bit. Like his touch is ridiculous. And I kind of hope that they give him a little more, a little bit more offensive responsibility. Also just to, to kind of save Dame for the playoffs so he can drop another 37-foot bomb <laughs> and, and ruin uh, an entire structure of a team for at least yeah. one summer. Uh, so So... I don't know where you're going to end up placing them ultimately, but I like what they have so far, and I think they could go somewhat far. Uh, Western Conference Finals seems to be unrealistic just because of the strength of the the West now. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I would take a long ass second round exit. I would take that. I would love it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, they played one of the greatest series against Denver. Like that was just that was so fun to watch. That entire yeah, series was so fun. So if we get a sequel of that, I'm all in. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I, I think that's probably realistically their ceiling is they could make it out of the first round, depending on how the bracket breaks. And then yeah, it's a nice second round showing. Is it? That's pretty much all you could ask for at this point. Right. Oh, and also, I mean, Hassan Whiteside. He was just he was not happy in Miami. That that's right. That's much certain. So hopefully, the change of scenery does a lot. Um, I'm optimistic about him. He, he he is talented. Like we we can crap on Whiteside, and, and Lord knows people have as much as people want. But thing is, he's still talented. He's very talented. He can block shots. He can play defense. He can rebound. He's even an underrated scorer. If he lives up to that, and he just checks his ego at the door coming in, and just says, "All right, new team. I'm I'm pushing thirty. This is just a new n- new era for me." And I also I'm a free agent. I have to go get paid right. next summer. Right. Then maybe they have something. Yeah, I, I think the contract year Hassan Whiteside is one of the biggest X factors, possibly in the entire West. Because yeah, if he lives up to what he was a couple of years ago and stays motivated, the que- I mean, I think he will for the first couple months of the season. I think the question is what happens if and when Nurkic comes back. Because in theory, maybe Whiteside still starts as they ease Nurkic back in, but. Once he has to compete for minutes, then, then I start to get a little worried. But that's a problem that we'll worry about in February. That, that's Dame's problem. Dame yeah. is, is the emotional leader of that team. He'll check everyone. That is that is very true. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. 
I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. So let's move down to that next tier, then. Because, Howard, you mentioned... You know, we, we haven't talked about Golden State still. And Golden, you had them in that third tier, um, I believe, along with the Spurs and the Thunder, assuming, again, that they don't destroy their entire team. Um, I'm wondering, like, are we all sleeping on the Warriors here? Or is there reason to be, you know, wondering if they're actually going to possibly miss the playoffs? I think it's fair to wonder. That if they'll miss the playoffs, and it's 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 interesting the way people are either talking about the Warriors or the um, how how outraged people get by the by the mere notion that they're a, a lower tier playoff team at best. Like it's you know like as if it, as if we are showing some lack of respect or as if we're we're sleeping on Steph or we're not giving him his proper due. It's there's so many things about the Warriors that, like, at this time of year, just to go back to, like, you know, when I was talking about um, why Houston and Portland to me are not the same as Denver and Utah when I'm trying to, like, figure out tiers of the Western Conference, right? I'm like, I just have more uncertainties. There are more asterisks. There are more caveats. And that's what the Warriors are right now. They're this team with a two-time MVP, Steph Curry, and an all-star Draymond Green, and a bunch of question marks. And even including those two guys, because we, we have to wonder about how five straight finals runs, unprecedented in the modern era, is going to affect them. And especially when they don't have Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson to lean on. So um, the Warriors, if, 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 if they did not have the pedigree they had in terms of the championships, if we were just looking at this in a vacuum and we looked at the, the, the depth chart, I'm pulling up ESPN's depth chart, and this is the way they lay it out. Obviously, this is all subject to change. But the starting lineup would be Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, Alfonso McKinney, Draymond Green, Willie Cauley-Stein. With the uh, second unit being uh, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson III, Kevon Looney, Omari Spellman. Uh, you know, I'm sure some things will change over the course of the season, whether we see some Jacob Evans and some Jordan Poole. And then, you know, does Clay Thompson come back? This season, what does he look like when he gets back? But you're starting off with the group I just mentioned. Alfonso McKinney is not an NBA starter, ideally, and certainly not on a team with with high aspirations. Willie Cauley-Stein was a solid player for the Kings with seemingly some some attitude issues. Um, I, I, I just, like, that's not a great starting five. The Curry-Russell backcourt defensively is going to be a, a real problem. Um... And D'Angelo Russell had a breakthrough season in which he made the All-Star team as an injury replacement. Like, I don't... It's it's not to denigrate the All-Star label, but he wasn't voted in by the fans and he wasn't voted in by the coaches. He was an injury replacement. And he he had the... the, Certainly had the resume by that point to earn it. It's not that he didn't. 
but let's just let's not pretend that he's all of a sudden um you know a, in a you know like an all nba caliber guard he's really mm-hmm. good and and that's in one season let's see how he does in a different context um i just have too many just question marks there and so you know steph curry all that mileage on him and is he going to go all out for 82 games given that this is like a, a you know everybody's called like the gap year right like this is this is you're waiting on clay thompson to come back you're waiting on um, trying to make that next round of changes that puts you back in contention again because this is not a contending team. You're trying to figure out how to recover from losing Kevin Durant. And, you know, plus, there's no Andre Iguodala. There's no Sean Livingston. Mm-hmm. All your, your institutional memory is gone. Um, and your three best wing defenders are gone in Iguodala, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. Like, that matters a lot. So... Um, it's it's just it's not nearly the same Warriors team. We have to think about them as just like these names in this assortment at this <laughs> moment in time, and not as the team that won five straight Western Conference titles and two championships, or excuse me, three championships. It's it's just it's not that group. It's it's a different team, um, and the West has gotten, uh, I would say, demonstrably tougher. And yeah, I, I they are um, either one of three teams fighting for the last two spots. Or I could even say they're one of five teams fighting for the last two spots if we assume that, you know, a, a best-case scenario Pelicans, best-case scenario Kings, that those teams are at least knocking on the door, and it's them plus the Spurs, Thunder, and Warriors. And again, I'm assuming the Thunder keeping Chris Paul. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the hope for the Warriors, at least if you're a Warriors fan, is that Steph just goes nuclear again. We get whichever. I think that was 2015-16 version of Steph where he was just pulling up from 37 feet all the time. Yeah, that was right before KD came, uh, you know, the unanimous MVP season. But as you said, Howard, who knows whether he is going to be, is he subject to a load management plan as well, based on having played effectively a full regular season, an additional regular season adjusted playoff games alone? We don't know about that. And then the whole D'Angelo Russell thing, I mean, Bob Byers has come out and denied it and has said, we, you know, we didn't just sign him to trade him later, but Mark Stein of the New York Times went on Dan Patrick earlier this month and said, well, that's not necessarily true. They rightly did not want to lose Kevin Durant for nothing, so they, they picked up a good, promising young player in Russell, but, you know, the Minnesota interest seemed real coming into the offseason. It would not be a total surprise if come December 15th, when all these guys who signed as free agents this summer are eligible to be traded. If Clay Thompson is progressing on schedule and looks like he's going to be back soon, maybe they flip him to Minnesota. Maybe they flip him for a Robert Covington in pieces or a Jeff Teague in pieces. So, yeah, I mean, I think you put it well with in terms of asterisks. We just don't know what this Warriors team is going to really look like coming into the season. And then by early february is is d'angelo russell still on this roster i have no idea i would lean no yeah i don't my here's my d'angelo russell interpretation um did they pick him up as a long-term play no of course not you're you're expecting and hoping and believing that clay thompson will be back at some point and be back at full strength um, could he be play small forward next to Curry and Russell? Sure. Is that your best use of everybody? Probably not. I like D'Angelo Russell as a pickup for, for two reasons for them. Well, there's three, obviously. Um, the first one is it was just a great value play or a, 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 
a way to maximize your ability to get decent talent, high-level talent, while losing Kevin Durant. It was it was convenience. They didn't set out to go get D'Angelo Russell. It was, this is something we can do in the context of this larger series of moves, and otherwise we're capped out and we can't possibly get a player like him, but we can via the sign-and-trade and with all this other movement going on with Durant. All right, so they, they, they made a, a great move in terms of just cap management, asset management, all that stuff, and, and getting a talent they could, have, could not otherwise have gotten. So that's number one. Number two is... This is a really important season to not burn out Steph Curry because you're expecting to be a contender again during his career. Uh, you, you expect that, that he's still got a few more years left of elite MVP-style play, and you're going to need all of that, but you're going to need it when you have the pieces around him to actually contend again. Having him go nuclear this year could be a lot of fun, but it's not going to get you to the Western Conference Finals, I don't believe. So you don't want to burn him out with no clay next to him. We, we just saw in the Finals... With no Kevin Durant even, and then at times with no Clay, how just bottled up he was by the Raptors' defense and how hard he had to work just to do anything. You don't want to see that for 82 games. So you get D'Angelo Russell, and now you've got another guy who can take pressure off Curry, who can handle the ball, make uh, you know, who can create, who can score. That's really important until Clay gets back. And by the way, ACLs, yes, you can come back 10 to 12 months. You're... So he could be back at some point, you know, the latter part of the season, but no guarantee and no guarantee that 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 will be the full Clay Thompson. It's 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 a year to come back sometimes. And then it's another it's it's usually 18 to 24 months total before you are yourself again. And I know he doesn't rely on a lot of explosiveness, athleticism, but you, you still it, it's it you still rely on your leg strength and, and your your uh, your lift and everything to be the player that Clay Thompson is. So um, you just you just can't assume that he comes back and he's just himself and the Splash Brothers live again and Draymond Green's an all star and boom they're off to the races. Like there's a lot to get through before he even comes back. And again, I'm not assuming that for certain he's going to play this coming season because what's what's the goal? What's you know if, if by the time he's ready to come back, you're you know um, you know I don't know maybe you're 10 games out of the playoffs for all we I'd probably not that far. I don't I don't, I don't want to piss off Warrior fans that much. <laughs> but I just don't know what he's coming back to at the time that he comes back, and I don't know if it's worth it. I think taking the extra six months or whatever before the following season. Now you've got all the time to really get your strength and your rhythm and everything back and be yourself rather than come back just because, yeah, you can come back at 12 months. There's no danger, but you're rarely yourself at that stage. Right. No, that, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be really fascinating to see a Warriors team enter the season. It's been so long that they're entering the season not as the overwhelming favorites where we just don't know what to expect out of them they're not going to be this unstoppable force and it's what makes this upcoming regular season so exciting is that there isn't this final stage boss where we just think this whole season is inevitable they're going to win the title maybe if everything breaks right they get right back and they make a six straight finals who knows but they're definitely not the warriors of old whereas so many teams saw that opening and decided, all right, let's go for it. Right now, they're just the old warriors. <laughs> right, and yeah. we're, since we were talking about ACL tears, I, I want to quickly pivot to the San Antonio Spurs, who, like the Blazers, are another team that everyone tends to sleep on 
in the offseason, especially just because they don't tend to make many splashy moves. Um, we have DeJounte Murray coming back from the yeah, torn we ACL. Do. We have Derek White, who had a breakout playoffs. So those two guys could form, especially defensively, just a tenacious young backcourt. And we still have DeMar DeRozan there, LaMarcus Aldridge. They re-signed Rudy Gay. Like, the Spurs quietly, I feel like, are just going to do their same Spurs thing where no one thinks they're that sexy and they still end up winning 48 to 50 games and sneaking in as a seven seed. Yeah. No, I, had Deontay Murray not come back this year, I probably would have been a little bit more skeptical of him. But I think he's such a huge talent. He's, he's going to swing the needle in the right direction. I mean, defensively, he was out of this world. And, and like Howard said, it's going to take time. Like when he hits the court, that's probably not going to be up, end up being the, 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 you know, the best version of him or the final version of him. He's going to have to spend a significant chunk of this year getting back into rhythm, trusting his own body again. Uh, he, you know, he spent the entire last season rehabbing. So a part of that is already done, but now it just comes the mental part of it. But he's such a presence on the glass, playmaking, defensively. And who knows what he's picked up offensively during his rehab? You know, just watching film, uh, talking to Pop, the coaching staff, the development staff, just figuring out, okay, how do I get buckets when I can't really shoot all that well? Where do I locate? Having DeMar DeRozan, I know he's not an efficient, long-range shooter by any stretch, but for a guy who's a non-shooter in Murray, watching DeMar for a full year, you know, just manufacturing shots out of nothing in the mid-range area, has to be something that he can at least put his his back to and say, okay, now I have you know a, a, a basically an, an outline of what I can do and what I have to do to remain relevant offensively while I continue working on my range. So he's one of those guys I'm really going to look at for this year. And you just mentioned as as well, like Aldrich, DeRozan still there, Rudy Gay still there, Pop still on the on the sidelines yelling and screaming. So they're going to get in, I think. I, I can't imagine they won't. And I have to wonder if they don't, if that's Pop's final year. Just him going, well, now no, I can't do it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they get in and he's that's his final send-off. He's like, all right, we made the playoffs yeah. for a million straight years in a row. I'm, I'm good. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, their offense is the big concern for me. I think they still sure. need some sort of you know, offensive presence who can come in and continuously... Uh, draw a double team. I know DeRozan in the post sometimes can and, and uh, when he goes in, but not to the same extent as many other superstars. They need some guy who can come in and take 12 to 15 shots you know, on average and more so when it's necessary. Where to get that guy, I'm not sure. D- Derek White doesn't seem to be that guy, but he did drop 36 points on Denver in a playoff game and he looked very naturally, you know, natural doing so. I, I don't expect him to become a high-level scorer, but if he can at least climb up that offensive ladder a little bit, that's going to help them a ton. For sure. So, guys, let's zoom through the rest of the West because I want to also hit on kind of the big picture of the offseason. So, Howard, we've kind of danced around the whole OKC thing. I, I mean, on paper, as long as they do keep Chris Paul, they have an intriguing starting five with CP3, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, We'll see what happens with Andre Roberson, but they could have Terrence Ferguson. Danilo Gallinari had a great season. Steven Adams is a, you know, might be overpaid, but he's a good center. But as you've kind of hinted at, the the uncertainty there with Paul and especially Gallinari too. I mean, he's on an expiring contract. They could try flipping him for more assets. It seems like they are very clearly in 
we could try to maybe stay afloat this season, but also we have, you know, we now own three teams drafts for the next half decade. Let's make it four. Um, so I think it kind of comes down to what direction do they go by the trade deadline? Do we want to talk briefly just about the Pelicans and the Kings? Cause I feel like it's kind of the, the best case scenario, as you mentioned, Howard was kind of the same for both of them. It's just like, if their young guys play well, the veterans lift them up when the young guys hit rookie or sophomore or junior walls. They could be playoff contenders, but you know, probably right now they're on the outside looking in. Yeah, I don't listen. I, I with the, with the Kings and the Pelicans both. This is one of those things where you know we'd be talking about. Well, if they were in the Eastern, by the way, New Orleans should probably be in the Eastern Conference. It was once upon a time. It's really really far east. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Pelicans and the Kings are are both really interesting, talented, budding teams that you look at the just the general outline of them on paper, the, their their trajectory at the moment. Um, the the Kings, the season the Kings had last year, they fell off toward the end, but the season they had last year suggests that this is a team on the rise. The Pelicans um, are the rare team that had to trade a top wherever we're putting Anthony Davis, top six, top seven um, player, and somehow still look like they could be really strong. Um, so I'm like, I actually think that both of these teams just deserve to be discussed, considered. I'm not about to pencil either of them in as an eighth seed in the West. I just think that they're both going to be in the hunt and put a ton of pressure on those other teams that are more established that are in that that bottom tier of, of the uh, of that you know that six seven eight range, um, and I love what the Pelicans have done in particular. Um, so this is and this isn't by the way this is not a Zion Williamson generated p- opinion. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not predicting that they could be a, a playoff contender because of Zion. Uh, I don't know what Zion's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see. But I know that the sum total of you know, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors. Like, that's a really interesting group. And if Zion is, you know, even lives up to, to you know, 60%, 70% of his hype in year one with with a veteran group around him, Drew Holiday is, 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 is an all-star who just doesn't make all-star teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, J.J. Redick still got a lot. In the t- J.J. Redick, I think, just had his career best scoring average last season. Um Derek Favors is really solid. Like, uh, and Ingram and Ball still have upside. And if, assuming health by those guys, there's just a lot of talent there. And like Ball and Ingram, in LA they had to be saviors. In New Orleans they don't have to be. Zion's the savior, and, and except that, as David Griffin said, <laughs> Drew Holiday is the actual face of the franchise. So they like Ball and, and Ingram can just like like way smaller media spotlight, small market. And with a bunch of other guys who who have much more pressure on them to carry the team than they do, I just think it's a really interesting mix of veterans and young guys, um, and there's plenty of talent there. So I just you know if the Pelicans were in the East, I think we'd be talking about them as as a, a you know a, a solid eighth seed potentially. And then the Kings, you know uh, you know similar uh, different stage, different makeup, but uh, I like what the Kings have going, and you know. Uh, I, they're, there's, they're both going to be fun to watch at a minimum. Oh yeah, they're they're Morton. I do annual league pass rankings, and I think it's safe to say both will be in the top ten, if not the top five. Oh yeah, like whatever franchise De'Aaron Fox is on, like that's an instant <laughs> top ten for me. Yeah, right, right. And then we should just make it clear: just because we 
didn't hit on Minnesota, Dallas, Memphis, Phoenix as playoff contenders. That doesn't mean we're totally down on the trajectory of those teams, at least all of them, like Minnesota. I We still like Carl Anthony Towns. Dallas, Luka, and Porzingis is going to be super fun to watch. There just isn't much around them right now. Memphis, I'm super high on their young core. I, I think they've done a phenomenal job rebuilding this summer. You know, I had the column go up at bballwriters.com earlier this week on the biggest winners of the offseason, and I mentioned Memphis in there. I think the way they retooled, getting enough for Conley, getting Ja, getting Brandon Clark, taking a no-risk flyer on Josh Jackson, their front office has done a phenomenal job, and then I have Tyus nothing Jones. nice. Yeah, Tyus Jones, too. And then I literally have nothing nice to say about Phoenix. So <laughs> <laughs> so you're not buying into the whole Kobe Shaq 2.0 angle? I, 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 <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> no, that, yeah, no, it, it, I think it's in Devin Booker's thing. I, I think that's, that's his p- perspective of it, yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Um, uh, cool. <laughs> I, I hope for Devin Booker's sake he could get out of Phoenix soon because my god just I, I wrote about the biggest losers of the offseason at bballwriters.com today and the Phoenix Suns as I was typing out that section for the Suns it just got longer and longer and longer as I'm like oh my god they did all of this in one summer like I almost forgot they salary dumped TJ Warren plus the number 32 pick for absolutely no reason I guess yeah. to Sign Ricky Rubio to a bloated contract. It was, yeah, Phoenix is going to be terrible this year. But you can check those columns out at bballwriters.com. Yeah, use the code the NBA pod for 10% off your daily, annual, or monthly subscription there. When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. RoboGlobal provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at RoboGlobal.com HTEC. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Howard, I want to end today's episode because you had a great column out after the Kawhi and PG uh, Clippers <laughs> explosion that happened at 2 a.m. on a Friday night. It kept Morton and I up all night. Um, just kind of about what it means for team building moving forward. And it, I love the quote that was in the headline. It's like the most nihilist Arby's quote from an agent where he said, you know, I think at the end of the day, no matter what teams do, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Which basically means like the Raptors did everything they possibly could to keep Kawhi Leonard. They had, they traded for him last summer. They had his bird rights. They do this load management plan. They gain his trust with their doctors. They win a title. Like, it, that's what else could you ask for? But because they weren't in Southern California and because they didn't have a pathway to get a second star like Paul George, he just left. So wh- what do teams do? How does this summer 
affect teams' approaches moving forward? Do they now think, like, we just have a one- or two-year window with guys before? Like, we can't plan 10 years, five years into the future because superstar movement has just become so prevalent throughout the league that we really just have to, like, eyes right on the prize, and that's it. Yeah. Um, So contracts are shorter than ever, right? You know, four years, five years at the most for your bird guys. Contracts mean less than ever because guys are now requesting trades with two years left. Kyrie did it. Paul George did it. Uh, Players feel more freedom to to move around, whether in free agency or via trade, than they ever have without feeling bound by old notions of, you know, loyalty or, or, or anything that, that kind of guided sports for decades. And I'm not making a value judgment. I'm just saying these are the realities. And so if you're a general manager of a team, especially if you're uh, with a small market team or what I would call like a non-destination market, a non-glamour market, because like Miami's a mid-market team, right? They're not a mm-hmm. big market, but they're a glamour market. Jimmy Butler went there for a reason. Um, so if you're not in New York or LA or Miami, if you're not, um, you know, blessed with some other reason why players want to come to you. And if you have just one star, especially, and don't have talent, sufficient talent around him, you got to be nervous. And, and I, I've, I've really have come to the point and that, that would have been my take a couple of years ago. My take after this summer is you have to be nervous almost no matter who you are, because, as the agent pointed out, and as that, that column was you know, in, intended to underscore, you can do everything right, as the Clippers and Nets seemingly did, in building solid foundations and building smartly, methodically, and, and gathering assets and creating flexibility and, and having a great structure and a great culture and all this stuff. You do all that right, you might be rewarded with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, or you might be rewarded with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But Toronto and the Warriors ob- obviously did everything right. They were in the finals playing each other and the Raptors won the championship and they lost their best players. Anyway, Kawhi Leonard left was the first player in NBA history to lead a team to a championship and then walk away to join another team. And Kevin Durant, I, you know, I know there's all kinds of things we can put around the Kevin Durant situation that explain it. It it doesn't matter. It's still incredibly unusual to do what he did. So you can do everything right and win. You can do everything right and lose your star. And I, I just think that the the lesson for everyone, small market, big market, destination, non-destination, for everyone, you're all on the clock all the time now. And there's no room for error. And while it will always depend on the player, and every player's got his own you know personality and priorities, career goals, and that even depends on the stage of the career they're at. See, it's not an across-the-board thing, but it. But in general, you just have to be hyper-aware of this. There was a time when you had more time. <laughs> there was a time in this league where you built slowly, um, you know, or or you at least could have the patience to build a certain way. You can't have patience now. You know, there's a reason we just saw a couple of the biggest, most uh, you know, pick-laden trades in the history of the game, in the Paul George deal and what the Thunder got back and all those picks what the Pelicans got back from the Lakers. That is also another indication of, of just the era we're in where, um, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, live for today. You, you, you don't have a choice. If you've got one of the top five, top 10 players in the league, you, you better damn well believe that if you don't build around them uh, smartly and quickly, they might leave. And then again, of course they might leave anyway. <laughs> um, so it it's, 
it's a fascinating time. It We've never seen anything like it. And again, I'm not making a value judgment here. I'm not saying it's necessarily good or bad. I, I could spin that either way, but it is fascinating. So yeah. what does this mean for a team like Atlanta, who seems to have a great structure going, like a great plan growing? They, they have... They have so many young guys on that roster. Is this a situation where in, in a year already, uh, maybe two at the most, they just have to ship everyone off for like two stars and go for it? I don't think have to, Mort. Um, yeah. I, I think Atlanta's a really interesting um, example, actually. So here's a team that uh, you know blew it up, starting started from scratch. So now you've got all the latitude in the world. That is that is the te- general template in the NBA. If mm. you're starting from scratch, if you've spun off the, the last vestiges of your old pseudo-contender, you now have three, four, five years where everybody, whether it's us in the media, whether it's fans, are all going to say, okay, um, let's see what they do with that time. Let's see what... But we understand they're not supposed to be a playoff team right now or next year or even the year after. But eventually we start to have, have expectations. So then you, we evaluate it year by year. Who do they get? How well are they spending those assets? How well are they using that cap room? Um, how well are they using those draft picks? So far, so good. You know, even the Trey Lucas swap. So far, I think you could say they're doing they're doing fine on. Like the jury's still out long term. We can't judge after one year who won the trade or or whether it was the smart thing to do. And they got you know the you know the, the added player out of it too. So the Hawks are, I think, uh, really promising. I think we all agree that they're doing a, a great job in in rebuilding this thing from scratch. And they've got all the promise in the world and a ton of, uh, of good young players. The next step is the interesting one. Because more to your point, do they try to go for the accelerated move where you flip a bunch of young guys for some disgruntled star? You know, do they get into the Bradley Beal sweepstakes or whatever? Because um, Atlanta could be a destination. Atlanta's a city that players like. Players yep. like going there at least as, 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 vis- as visitors. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to like about uh, that city and it's kind of this sleeping giant in that regard. So is Phoenix, by the way. Phoenix used to be a destination. Um, they kind of ruined it. But the, <laughs> but the Hawks uh, have great promise right now. And the interesting thing will be what Travis Schlenk and that group decide in terms of path. Is it do you just allow the young guys to blossom, grow together? More of that Oklahoma City Thunder model when they started with a young Westbrook and Durant and Ibaka and Harden. Um, will this be something along those lines, or do you try to accelerate it by, by making a, a, a bold trade at some point here? I don't know what the answer to that is, but they have the luxury of patience and some time right now because also when, you're, when your best players are on rookie deals, as we know, you've got them, you've got the, them under contractual control for minimum five years. You usually have them for at least seven or eight based on rookie right. deal plus first veteran de- extension. So they're an exception to what we were just talking about. But what we're just talking about is mostly about established superstars, mid-career guys, um, guys who are, are in their early to, to early mid-late prime. Any, anybody, anybody who's in that category, top 15, top 20, like Trey Young's not a top 20 player yet. But sometime soon he might become one. And then, yeah, they'll be on the clock too. Yeah. yeah. And the Clippers are a fascinating one because, yeah, they did everything right this summer. They carved out enough space to get Kawhi and Paul George. But – they might be right back on the clock in two years. We found out that Kawhi did not sign a four-year deal, as was originally reported. It's actually a two-plus-one, which was smart for him. It lets him get back in the market when he has 10 years. He can get the 35% max. Paul George can also become a free agent that summer. And you know, I'm already looking ahead to that summer, as if we thought this summer was wild. 
You got those two guys plus LeBron could be a free agent. I think Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, Giannis. So brace yourself already. Don't make any vacation plans for July 2021. But I mean, yeah, like the you know those two guys, regardless of what happens these next two years, they could then turn around and look at oh well maybe Lou Williams isn't here anymore. Maybe Montrez Harrell isn't here anymore. Maybe we're starting to get worried that they traded away all these picks to get me that they don't have. A pathway to replenish their young talent who knows what happens in 2021 so it it really does just raise so many interesting questions about team building now and, and i think the agent howard in your story said teams need to be as prepared for a star staying as much as you are prepared for them leaving because nothing is guaranteed at all and i think that's really a good operating principle here we saw with okc this summer like a month ago did anyone you know, people writing like trade columns on Bleacher Report and other places about you know which stars could be moved this summer. And Bradley Beal was on there. Kevin Love was on there. Chris Paul, for obvious reasons, was on there. No one knew Paul George was available a month ago. So it's just wild how quickly these things change. And you know, I'm a, I'm a Sixers guy, and I'm living in constant fear. Even though Ben Simmons literally just signed his extension earlier this week. I'm already looking three years down the road, knowing Rich Paul is his agent, knowing LeBron's going to be 38, 39 at some point. They're going to need a new point forward in L.A. I'm already dreading that what I fear is an inevitable trade request in like 2023. <laughs> Altogether possible. I mean, that is the new reality that um, you can't assume anything, even when a guy signs a contract. Now, that said, I, you know, Unless the bar gets moved again, and I don't think it will, the the two-year trade demand trade request is now a thing because Kyrie and Paul George both did it. But um, three, four, five years out, I heard Bill Simmons talking about Carl Anthony Towns as being you know in, in pre-agency already. I'm like, no, he's under contract till like 2024. Like Carl Anthony Towns is not there yet. But as soon as I say that, I think, well, how do I know that? You know, there was a time when we thought a guy with two years left on his deal wasn't in a position to to get himself moved. But no, I, I I'm still going to stick with that for the moment, right? I think if you've got three or more years on your deal, uh, your team is okay for now. It doesn't mean you have time to dick around or to screw up. Um, but you know, and by the way, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that that, that superstars um, are holding teams to account. And that if you have a bad front office and you you waste resources and make bad bets on the wrong free agents, like you should be held accountable. You shouldn't necessarily you know be there in, in perpetuity. And if the if the consequences you lose the player, well, if that's what owners need to see to be smarter about the people that they hire and stick with, maybe that's good for the NBA. Um, you know, it's bad for fans. I'll always throw that out there, too. I'll always note, as much as I, I believe, you know, pl- player empowerment is a good thing, players have earned it, they've got that right, I do think that, you know, there's a downside here for fans because all that movement, it just erodes your 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 faith in a team or your investment in a team, or, or at least can erode it. And so I, I, I worry about the long-term effects from that side of it that as much as as fun as it is to watch all of the free agent fireworks and trades and everything um i do worry about the erosion that possibly has on fans uh, overall um and especially in, in the markets that have lost those guys like it's fun for the rest of us sucks <laughs> if you were a fan of the team that just lost the guy right 
Yeah, I mean, look at like a Charlotte Hornets now. I don't think there's any team in the league that has, I mean, maybe Washington just because of the John Wall contract, but at least they still have Bradley Beal. Like the Hornets just have nothing to look forward to now. And it, as you said, I mean, they kind of had it coming just because they got unlucky. They had a lot of cap space in 2016, which was the worst summer to have a lot of cap space. So they overpaid Kemba's supporting cast. And then, you know, we've heard reports this summer that they went to Kemba and didn't even didn't even offer him his full max, much less the super max. And Kemba rightly said, you know, Boston's offering me a full max. And Nick Batum got paid $120 million a couple of years ago. You're trying to pay me a little bit more than Nick Batum. I'm out of here. But yeah, I mean, now you look at the Hornets and I, I just, I don't even see a way out for them. It's, it's like five years down the road before they could even be relevant again. So yeah, I mean, I think it is right to worry about what this means, especially for, as you said, not only small market teams, but non-glamour destinations. Not every team has a Sam Presti overseeing its rebuild. OKC seems to be set up well for the future just because of Shea and plus all of the 15 or so picks they picked up this summer. But, um, you know, there, there are a lot of mediocre to bad front offices still out there, unfortunately. And we'll just have to see kind of how teams adjust. I think it's kind of one of the fascinating long-term storylines that emerged from this summer is, you know, I'm sure teams are now already looking ahead to 2021. The 2020 free agent class is not all that spectacular. So I think there's going to be a lot of two-year planning ahead. And so maybe that means, you know, for the next two years, aside from a few exceptions, Bradley Beal is probably one of them. Maybe there isn't as much star movement. And then, you know, fast forward two years and we have a repeat of this summer where just the whole league resets itself. Altogether possible. And it will be fascinating again. And I wonder if we have another summer like this one, at what point, is it you know will 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 sentiment change from wow that was exhilarating and wild and fascinating to all right I just I'm I, this is dizzying it's too much it's changing too often we we you can't even you know feel any any consistency about these teams or the the pecking order or whatever like there's something to be said for some continuity right like mm-hmm. a, you know I, I don't know what a team what a what a what a, a an nba with no continuity at all for multiple years or, or an entire era of of this kind of rapid change what that does i don't know again this is why it's so fascinating we are in uncharted waters here in not just the nba but i think in, in professional sports at least in in north america where we've just never seen anything quite like this and we don't really know where it's going. Um, so yeah, it's, it again, it's fun for everybody to get excited about Giannis's free agency in 2021, unless you're a Milwaukee bucks fan or Milwaukee bucks ownership and management (laughs) thinking the whole world is conspiring to steal him from us. Um, and, and, and in an, in an era where tampering is rampant and essentially, uh, unchecked and, you know, almost, almost uh, sanctioned. I don't want to say sanctioned by the league, but it's certainly not being reined in. They, they acknowledge that it's there, and they don't really do much about it. Uh, Adam Silver said recently that, that you know they need to figure out something because he's, he's as he said, we have rules that we can't enforce, and I don't know if they can enforce them. So then, then the then the alternative would be well, just to not have the rules, in which case, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, buckle up. Yeah. yeah, maybe the Hornets would be good then, because Mitch Kupchak is apparently the one guy who actually plays by the rules. So, 
<laughs> they may have continuity have. for the next four years. It's, it's just not a great continuity, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so from Malik Monk. I, I will say, I mean, I've seen Howard already that, you know, on, on Twitter and Facebook, all the social channels. I've seen plenty of people already mention what you just said, that, oh, this there's just no cohesion here anymore. Everything is just completely random and it's chaotic. I don't even know who to follow. Like, it, for the most part, if you're a fan of a team, like, you mostly stick with that team. But if you're a fan of just the league or certain players, like, one can make the argument that you can follow the player along. But, you know, that, that becomes stressful because, oh, now I have to switch over to watch you know, the Lakers and then afterwards some some other team and then a third team or fourth team. Like, th- there is a a small, not, you know, not significant, but there's a small cry for, you know, higher consistency. I think we'll get that at least from this year to next year because next year's free agency class seems to be horrible. So it seems like players are at least going to be on their uh, the, the current team for a year, maybe two. And then we can <laughs> jumble everything up once again. But I, I do think there definitely is uh, logic in, in wanting some sort of consistency here. And, which leads me to one thing. Because I wrote an article for Forbes uh, a couple weeks back where I, I kind of said if teams wanted to regain control of their own future. Maybe instead of sacrificing their entire future worth of, of draft picks for a guy with a two-year window, why not go for a guy who's still on a rookie contract that you as a team has identified as someone who could develop into a future star? Because then you would have the team control moving forward. Like you mentioned, like when you have a guy on a rookie contract, it, depending on, of course, when you acquire him during that life of that contract, you have him for X amount of years. You have restricted free agency status on him immediately after the the contract expires. So you would have more options at your own disposal as a team. Whereas in terms of the free market, unrestricted free agent who can now demand a trade two years into his contract or one year into his contract, whatever the hell it is, like maybe just going for the future if you're a team and saying, you know what, I'm not going to get into all the star chasing. I'm just, I'm going to find a guy. I might have to overpay to get this young guy. That could be Shea, for example. I used him as an example in my, in, in my article. Like, I, we identify this guy and this guy. We're going to overpay to bring them in, but they're young, and we are going to maximize their potential, and we're going to hopefully make them fall in love with our franchise. Is that just a, is that even a viable option these days? To do, to basically have a young guy come in and basically live off the hope that you can get that guy to not be as interested in leaving that team. Yeah, I see. And this is where um, the, the variable becomes uh, individuals, right? Right. Let, let's see, Giannis as the example. Ever since he arrived, all we've heard is how much he loves Milwaukee, how much he appreciates everything that the franchise has done for him, how much he appreciates the community, that he's not a Hollywood guy. He's not a Bright Lights Big City guy. He's not looking – he doesn't care about brand and he doesn't care about, you know, you know, starting a media empire or anything else. He's just about the basketball. And that small that the smaller market fits him. It suits him. And there's a loyalty to him. I have heard some variation of those themes so many times over the last couple of years, um, and I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Does that mean he won't possibly leave in 2021 or go through this coming season and then next summer when he's you know facing either extension or or or, or you know rejecting the extension, which means you got to trade him? Like it could happen. I mean, I don't. I'm not predicting it. I don't hope for it. I I I would love to see him stay. Um, 
I can tell you there's 29 other teams that are hoping for it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I can tell you that as much as we think we know about guys and as much as those all those narratives I just hit on about him I think are valid, he could change. You know, yeah. he could lose faith in the organization. He could decide that he does see benefits of being in a bigger market. Like what what was true you know, on some random day when I asked people about this in 2017 may not hold in 2020. Like it's, you know, the environment of the NBA is what it is right now. Guys are moving all the time. It doesn't mean they all will. It doesn't mean that some of them don't still hold maybe some more what we would refer to as kind of traditional values of, 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 of wanting to be loyal to a franchise, even though as we know, there's no loyalty in sport and, and franchises are often not loyal to their players. Um, but some guys still feel more of that affinity and that, that, that um, maybe that obligation even. So maybe Giannis is the one to break this trend and break the mold. Uh, I wrote about that last December, that, that maybe he's the one to stop it. Um, we'll see, you know, um, and if it's not him, maybe it's, maybe it's somebody else. On the other hand, if things go haywire in Milwaukee, and he thinks, well, the Bucks didn't do enough to get me the right talent. Like, yeah, I've got some really solid pieces around me, but I don't have that other year in year out star like chris middleton okay an all-star but not not the same tier as what we're talking about with these other superstar duos right um if 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 Giannis decides well that's what i really need and i think the only way to get it is to go somewhere else he could Mm. i'm not predicting it again i'm not hoping for it but things tend to change rapidly so um again you're never safe yeah 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 well, I, on that discouraging note, I think that's actually a good place to wrap up. So, Howard, thank you again. We really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, one more time, please let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find all your work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Howard Beck. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, The Full 48, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the usual other places. And you can find my uh, written stuff at Bleacher Report. Uh, nothing up at the moment or nothing new up at the moment, but uh, we'll see if I can find some trouble to get into in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> well, good luck. And I know you've got some time off coming up, so enjoy the well-earned vacation. Um in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined today by Morton Jensen and Howard Beck. Have a good weekend, guys. You too, Brian. And thank you for everyone out there who's been following along for all 250. Uh, This is obviously a very special episode and a very special time. 250 is a big number. Thank you for tuning in. And congrats, guys, on the 250th episode. Congrats, Mort, on the the new baby. And uh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.